Groovy, okay. groovy. Right, let's do this. Cool, so absolutely buzzing to be here on the first day of the Rugby Abroad podcast. I'm hosting this live from, uh, from Italy right now, in northern Italy, obviously on lockdown. Um, and today's guest, the first guest on the Rugby Abroad podcast, and we are absolutely buzzing to have him here with us, is Aaron Radley. Aaron, welcome. Come on, come on, stay. Samuel. Yeah, mate, that was a very slow reaction. Is that because of the, the internet feeds bad or is that... I don't um, know. Is that just it's how it's going to be? It's going to be like that. It's going to be a very long, laborious sort of... Look, I hope not because um, we've got to get people hooked on this podcast pretty quickly. So um, I, I want to make it short and sharp, snappy, and get some real good Groovy. content in here. Um, yeah, we're absolutely buzzing to be here. And I just want to introduce Aaron. He's um, been a very long time friend of mine. Um, so hence, I'm very biased with my decision of first person on the podcast. Um, he's a... Uh, He's a rugby stalwart. He's been around the block, to say the least. He's 28 years old, dare I say, a flanker by trade, but not in the sevens game. And um, he's represented Czech Republic on the international stage. But the reason he's here is for his experience traveling with his rugby abroad. He's, um, he did a year in Spain, and um, that would be cool to talk to him about and also his other other travels with the game. So, Aaron, did I get that right? You got a little, you got a little bit right, but a lot of it was wrong. You have to redo it again. <laughs> oh, um, no, I'm actually 29. I think you forgot 29. my birthday, didn't you? Two days ago. Oh yeah, <laughs> what a great friend. <laughs> Sorry, mate. No, um, no, it's good to have you with us. I what I didn't mention is you're also the the founder of one of the most successful sevens teams. In, that's invitational sevens teams in um, world rugby, and that's the Rambling Jesters. Um, just maybe we can just kick start on that. How did you how did you get into rugby sevens? Was that something something that just happened in the UK, or was it a, a, abroad on your travels, or when did that start? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's actually quite interesting because um, when we start, we started with Jesters nine, nine years ago, 2011. And I think you remember, I probably phoned you up just before to tell you the idea about, you know, let's do a sevens team. Um, to which you replied, yeah, man, just do a sevens team. I know tons of good players. Um, you made it sound so easy to... Uh, just do a sevens team. Just yeah, just you get some players, I get some players. Because you you were at Loughborough and I was at Hartbury. Um, but obviously it was a lot more difficult than that. But um, yeah, it happened pretty organically. You know, I was at Hartbury and it was you know like it like most other teams. You know, what are you going to do in the in the summer? Um, and back then it wasn't like it is now, where everyone's got a sevens team. And it's super easy just to play for a sevens team or you play for your old boy sevens team or, you know, your club sorting out sevens tournaments. Um, you sort of had to be in it already with like an established like team. It felt like that. Um, so there's loads of boys who wanted to play sevens. So it kind of started like that, just very organically at university. But um, <laughs> what the main like catalyst for me starting off the Jesters wasn't just, oh, let's just do a sevens team. I'm not sure if 
you remember, but I was I was playing for another sevens team called the Mel's Exiles. Yeah, I remember. It was something something to do with um, a guy that had been running a sevens team for a long time, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so the, the Mel's Exiles, they were just like a uh, established sevens team. They, um, the guy who ran it was a guy called Mel, Mel Williams or Mel Williamson. He used to play for Wales like in the 70s. And he, had, he was a big, larger-than-life character and he had like a huge white beard and everyone used to call him like Santa Claus. He was like big, big fat guy with a huge beard, like a lo- lovely guy. And um, he was doing the Mel's Exiles for 40 years. It's like a long, long time. Yeah, totally unheard of. I, don't, I can't think of... There's teams now who've done it for like 20 years, 25 years, but 40 years is crazy. And the main tournament which he, which he did was Amsterdam Sevens. The famous Amsterdam Sevens. This is like 2000 and, 2007. This is like 2007 when I played for them. Like it was, sevens wasn't as popular as now. Hang on, two thousand seven. You must have been what sixteen, seventeen. I was fifteen. What really? It's crazy now when you think about it because you know, would I let a fifteen-year-old player play for the Jesters? The answer is a hundred percent no. Yeah. Um, but back then, it wasn't because I was such a good player. Like I was Owen Farrell, like just thrown into the first team when he's a little kid. It was just. It was um, it was just purely just you know I had a typical rugby dad who I can't remember the story but somehow someone at the at rugby said oh why doesn't your son play sevens and my mate my mate runs the team give him a call it was that sort of thing and I have no idea what my dad said to the guy I don't know if he told him I was fifteen um, but I rocked up to, to a tournament with them when I was fifteen years old. Um, and I don't know if you remember because we we played a lot together. At uh, fourteen, fifteen, I was you know I was playing on the wing, and I wasn't yeah. couldn't catch a cold, couldn't catch a cold, couldn't pass the rugby ball. Still can't. I still, <laughs> I still can't spin a rugby. Ball. Uh, <laughs> you know I, I can't. Like it just it, you know. Um, but I, at that age, at that age, I was like. Uh, I, I look like the Turkish foreign exchange student, you know, with like, <laughs> at, at 10 years old, I had a on beard. Yeah, I remember well. At 14, 15, I couldn't really do any of that stuff. I couldn't pass or I wasn't skillful, couldn't do anything, but I was pretty strong for that age. I, I remember, you know, one of the strongest at that age in our age group. Um, so playing like men's rugby, like it wasn't a big deal for me. It was just, I knew how to tackle it didn't matter if he was 25 or 15. Um, but, yeah, it's weird, but I got into it at a young age and I went. I played for a tournament for Mel, Mel's Exiles, and then two weeks later I turned 16 and he said to me, look, we're doing the Amsterdam Sevens. You know, why don't you come along? Just for the experience, you know, you're a young lad getting into Sevens. Um, so I was like, awesome, let's do it. And he, had, he, took, he took me to Amsterdam and he, um, he took about 16 or 17 lads and he just loaned them out to teams which needed players. Wow. So he, so this guy, this larger-than-life character, Mel, he's, he was kind of like literally the Father Christmas of sevens. He was just literally gifting players to invitational teams at this Amsterdam tournament back in 2007. Yeah, I mean, it was more... Yeah, exactly. I think it was more... It wasn't, Mel's Exiles, they weren't like the best team 
Um, they they won out that they won out Stam a lot, like in the eighties and the nineties. But yeah, he just brought lots of guys over, and it wasn't maybe now you wouldn't be able to do that because it's very strict on registration. It was like he was like a legend in Amsterdam. He just let they, they just let him in with players, and he said, "Yeah, go play for that team. Go play for this team." And um, I ended up playing for like a Dutch team, which they were like the worst teams, and you know they never got through to the cups. So I was playing in the bowl competition, uh, which I didn't care about, um, and I ended up playing in the final of the bowl competition. Um, and in the in that Amsterdam, like you been. Um, it's like what three, four thousand people watching in the, in, the, in the for the finals. So at 16 years old, I mean, he wrote down I was 18 on the. Uh, so at 16 years old, I was like, I, I'm probably like the youngest person, like no one to like score a try in a final in Amsterdam. And I ended up, we ended up winning the bowl. Like it's the worst competition there. Mate, they all come. They all but come. But for me, like at 16, I couldn't care. I didn't. I didn't. I just thought it was an awesome. Um, experience so anyway so i kept on playing for mel's exiles um and i just like that gave me that buzz because it was such an amazing um experience which i being 16 playing with older guys you know some of them are like 18 but older guys and some of them were ex-internationals and some of them wow so this experience with mel's exiles that got you into sevens and then but what what made you then go from that to, to uh forming forming the jesters what happened was so that kind of got me the, the the buzz of like going to Amsterdam and thing um, every summer I was like so excited to go to Amsterdam and um, what happened unfortunately was my second year of university um, Mel was suffering and I knew for a long time he was suffering with cancer and unfortunately he died um, later that year and his family like spoke to everyone, like all the players and people involved with Mel's Exile saying, you know, we're going to stop this, which is really great because it was like a whole legacy. It's like 40 years. Oh, shit. So that kind of got me the, like, I was without a club, like, well, like without a sevens team. And obviously that experience I had, like, I was only 19. Um, I was like, I want to, I want to go to Amsterdam again. I want to, I want to, I want to play sevens, you know, because like, I just love playing sevens, regardless of how good I was, which I wasn't very good. <laughs> but, um, but so that kind of that kind of got that kind of spurred me on saying wait you know no one's gonna no, no one else is gonna do a team why do I just do a team and it happened like as I said pretty organically and I phoned you up and I was like you know I was living I had two housemates at Hartbury who were good players like I've got you two I've got Sam will play I've got a few other guys who I know you know so hang on I can take some credit then in the um the coming together of the justice that's huge I'll take it you can take you can take some, uh, you can definitely take a little bit of credit. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, the title of the podcast, Rugby Abroad, yeah. I want to get into people's heads that there's more than just rugby where they're at. And I guess with your sevens team, you've taken them all over the world, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, um, you know, we've been doing it for eight years, so obviously it started started very slow and like organically progressed um yeah i mean the like i said in the last five years i think sevens is it's jumped to huge places that every every weekend in the summer there's another sevens tournament popping up in different countries you know belgium france um italy spain you know um czech republic you know there's 
everyone everyone's doing sevens tournaments now, so there's so many options. And um, yeah, the jest is we've been to uh, America, Scandinavia, France, Holland. Um, I'm trying to think where else. I think Dubai. First year, last year, went to Dubai. Um, Sick. Um, so I've, I've so you've been all over the world with the jesters. That you did first. Did that kind of give you like was that kind of a catalyst to to then make you want to travel abroad more? Because obviously sevens tournaments are kind of like little snippets of what yeah. rugby could be, but like only in kind of a weekend yeah. of experience. Whereas there's a whole different story if you're gonna pack your bags and go away and try and play a season abroad or or do something else. So was that the catalyst for you to go abroad or was it, was there something else? And just, te- just briefly just roll into how you ended up going to Spain. Yeah, definitely. I, I think for me, like you, you know me, um, as a, um, you know, you know, my kind of personality, I'm quite, I'm certain, I'm quite introverted on certain things. I'm quite extroverted on other things, but I never liked, I was never in like a, in a rugby club. I was never like the alpha male, you know, Jack the lad who just loved being part of a club, you know, every day going Tuesday, Thursday, going out, getting smashed on the weekend, which is like the same thing. Like once in a while, it's really nice and fun to do team socials, but I never liked to do that. I like to do my own thing. I like to play rugby because I enjoyed the physicality of it. I didn't like to play rugby for a lot of the other stuff, which a lot of people play rugby for, which is, which is totally fine. But one thing which I love about sevens, and you just said it earlier, you get like a year's worth of, you know, banter. You get a year's worth of going on, you know, the touring, the the fun side of it, and then playing that cup final just in the one weekend of travelling with the team. Yeah. Oh, mate, I can absolutely agree with you there. Like, just just from a few of the sevens tournaments, I'm remembering that just took place over weekends, whether it was Amsterdam or Bournemouth Sevens, yeah. or wherever else, you you end up in just two days, you were with this team of maybe 12 people max, and probably half of that team you end up staying in touch with for, like, uh, for me, probably still in touch with people from, from just a weekend Sevens tournament, and it's, we're 10 years later. So, look, like like you say, that's compressed, compressed the whole yeah. season into one weekend, but... But yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and for me, like, I never, like, probably one of the reasons why I didn't probably, uh, you know, I, I don't enjoy 15s as much because it's so repetitive. You get, like, snips of that, but it's it's it's, it's um, a whole year of going to training Tuesday, Thursday, then going playing a rugby game, and it's you're doing the same thing, and there's a little bit of a social, and there's, you know, you don't really, you're not forced to get to know everyone as you are when, you, when you're thrown into an environment like Sevens where, there's 12 guys and you're, you've got to win a tournament and you've got to get to know each other and it, you've got to really push yourself in that, um, you know, in your, out your comfort zones. And I love doing that. And then during the week, I can get back to the stuff I like. I don't have to do it, you know, every single day. Um, but yeah, just to, just, just to finish just to finish your point, it when I went to Spain, it was only the... Um, it was the third year of the Jesters. So, so it was, we've done, yeah, it was the third year of the Jesters. So I was 21. And I decided to go to Spain, probably not so much because of the sevens. Um, it was more just you're 21, 
I've never really went traveling. I wanted to do, um, wanted, wanted that life experience. And um, I only had, I, the plan was to go to Spain for a year. Um, and I was very fortunate that because um, of my CV, even though I wasn't, I didn't have lots of experience playing national rugby. Um, I, I played like Hartbury College, was like top university and um, similar to Loughborough. So the responses, I got quite good responses. This is 2013, this is 2012, 2012, 2013. Um, so I ended up going to a team called Getcho in Spain, which is near Bilbao. So it's the north of Spain. Yeah, really beautiful place. Honestly, like stunning place. And um, the, the idea for me, the idea, the coach, it was a guy from New Zealand. And he, and he, and he phoned me up and he was like, look, you play like decent level. Yeah, sure, come over. Um, and that was pretty much it. I packed my bags and, and I went and I went there. I went there a month early to do a coaching camp. So I was doing coaching every day, yeah. which was awesome. Speaking fluent Spanish, obviously. Speaking absolutely. <laughs> Trying my best to say a few words in Spanish, um, which was actually quite funny because um, I was, I was doing um, coaching rugby to like little kids who are like six or seven years old. None of them spoke English, and if you and this place near Bilbao, it's like a little town, Getcho. No one speaks English, you know. It's not it's not <laughs> Barcelona or Madrid, and the two the two guys from the rugby team, there was a girl and a guy. Um, they didn't really speak English, so it was sort of a lot of a lot of sign language and a lot of just like touch rugby. Um, but it, it, I was only there for about two uh, about six weeks um, before pre-season. And I ended up, which I can very briefly talk about, I ended up moving from Getcho to another team in, in the south of Spain called La Villa, which is in between Benidorm and uh, Alicante. Complete, you know, equally as beautiful, but very different. Um, yeah. Both had beaches. Um, very different people, very different um, um, architecture, um, very different vibes. And what happened was that I, playing for Lavia, I was only there, I was only for Lavia there for about a month. And I ended up in a game ripping my uh, two ligaments in my ankle, like really bad, I don't know, grade three tear or whatever it's called. And super painful. And I went back the next week home so my stint in Spain was super super small but I got a glimpse of like what it could have been um from yeah. being at two clubs which I um I regret moving from the two clubs and it's I won't bore you but it was just uh <laughs> they made a, a I regret the decision they basically what they did is they made a rule they changed the rules in Spain so when I joined they made a rule that you only allowed five foreign players where the season before it was unlimited, so because I was a big foreign player to sign for the club, they basically said we can't guarantee first team rugby for you, you know, because you're the okay. sixth guy. So then I stupidly, I remember I'm 21. Had you had you heard of Spanish rugby before that? Because like I know I, I I played two years in Spain myself about six or seven years ago, and before Spain. Call, called I got the call from a Spanish club I honestly I knew you'd been out there briefly but I honestly never thought there was any kind of level 
to Spanish rugby. Like, yeah. and, and I was quite surprised when I got there that there were people playing rugby, some quite good coaches out there as yeah. well. And, and yeah. Yeah, you, some of the coaches there are like ex All Blacks, and I'm pretty sure the guy or they've coached like super high level in New Zealand or Australia, um, and they've like moved to Spain and probably played and now coached there. And the answer to that is like, do you reckon? Yeah, go on. Yeah, do you reckon it's just like a lifestyle move for them, a lifestyle move more than anything else, or an ex- same same sort of thing? Because there's not that many foreign coaches out there. There's not that many foreign players. Is it just like a certain type of character who who will pack their bags and say like, I'm going to go and spend a year in this place, or going to go and I don't know, learn a language, have a life experience, whatever. Is that because yeah. of it's a certain type of character? A hundred percent, and you know even. Even um, if you, if you look at you and I, you and I are slightly we you've, we've always kind of wanted to do something like that. We've never necessarily just wanted to stay in England in our comfort zones at a club, whatever level. And obviously, you were playing at a lot higher level than me. Um, I think it's definitely a certain character. I think guys from like New Zealand and you know and Australia. Well, look, it's inter- I'm just gonna cut. I'm just gonna cut in just because it's interesting what you say because. It's, for me, for example, it's not it's not necessarily that I wanted to to go abroad and travel to different places so much as a priority. Because let's say I had a, a three year contract in like a top level club in in England, I would one hundred percent have signed that contract and, and stayed in one place. I think it's just the the sort of availability that of for myself to say that if there wasn't this two, three year contract, then the next year I could just open the the playbook a little bit and have other places as an option, have be able to travel overseas to further my rugby rather than just being sort of stuck in one place. Do you know what I mean? So it's not kind of a a, a forced sort of decision to move abroad, more of a more of an acceptance that there is something else out there and, and you can like make the most of it um, if you don't get what you want at home, I guess. Totally. But I, I do think it's important that, remember, I, I went to Spain before you, um, but you went to New Zealand for you when you were just 18. Yeah. So that's, a, that's, a, that's in, in my eyes, that's even more of a step. And you did that to improve your rugby, but that still gave you, you know, that, a lot of people don't want to do that. Like I, 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 at 18, I had opportunity to maybe go to university in America or something like that. Um, and you stay in your comfort zone because it's what you know and you kind of, everyone's chasing the dream of a contract or whatever. Um, so I think you did from an early age. You did, you, know, you went by yourself to New Zealand and you learned a lot and you probably, you were very open, as you say, if you weren't going to get that contract in England, whatever it is, that potentially there's... Um, there's other options, but the only difference I would say between you and myself is you you looked at it as maybe potentially there could be a career move if um, all fails in England. For me, it was more just, you know, I wasn't looking for professional rugby. For me, it was just more um, life experience and to get good game time in Spain. And I was I was only for one. Yeah, sure. Um, so that definitely that definitely spurred me on and and and. I just remember while you were speaking, you and I had a friend who we met in sevens who was playing for Getcho. That's right. If I remember right, it, it was Brad yeah. Linklater. 
who was um, who what, was he playing in one of the first Jester's tournaments? He played, he played against, against us, yeah. us maybe. He played against us. Um, and I remember, I don't remember. Um, he didn't help. It wasn't. I didn't ask him to necessarily. Um, oh, can I go to Getcho? It was more. I emailed loads of clubs, and it just happened by chance that Getcho responded, and you know, I knew someone who was playing out in in, um, in Spain, which was awesome. Uh, yeah. But as as I say, like you know, my you know, I got a glimpse of the the cultural shift and the benefits of playing abroad, which you don't get. Um, which is it's multifaceted. You get so much benefit rather than just staying in, let's say, your local club, even if you're playing like a good level in England. Um, and I was only there for a very small time, um, but just as you say, you know, you. I think in in rugby, depending what level player you are. So if you're like a if you're like a you're looking to be professional, like you were, and you're playing national one, or you're, you just come out of university, so you're 24. If you don't have that contract in front of you, you're kind of you feel a bit like your your stock levels have dropped because you're now 23, 24. You've got a degree, which is great, but the Premiership clubs don't need you. Don't don't see your value yet. The championship clubs go well. You want thirty k, or you want thirty five k, or you want a really good wage because you're you've got you're twenty four now. Why would they sign you when they can sign an eighteen year old for ten k? So there's lots of guys who are good enough to play professional rugby, but they're kind of there's only a few tickets for the lottery. You know, there's only a few tickets that they can bring into the championship yeah. I know you had that experience yeah I mean my experience was exactly what you said um I, I had a coming out of Loughborough University graduating having played represented what I thought was a really great level playing for England students and after that I had a couple of offers my aim was to play in the championship it really was to that was like the dream but and when it started when I started looking at the reality of it there was a couple of options that were paying really, really, really low, low wage to pack your bags and move to another part of England. Um, and that would be you pursuing professional rugby. And and for me, I, I had to take a hard look at myself and say, yes, I want to play professional rugby. But firstly, am I willing to just basically accept that money, which for me is, was ridiculous. And to be honest, I, I've got this feeling that it's only getting worse now with the there are a few cutting funding championship and everything else and that really was the kick kickstarter for, for my um trip abroad maybe made easier by the fact that i'd already been abroad to play rugby before but um was was certainly the catalyst um just seeing that some some remnants of a contract from a championship club and at the level it was at because like you say my stock wasn't high I've, i'm 24 years old coming out of university and they've got better options that are probably cheaper, not necessarily better players, but certainly better options financially. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a hard one. So, so yeah, I know, I know, I know. Also the same thing. So there's players like yourself who are aspirational and then you find yourself going, well, I'm good enough to play the championship, but there isn't the money there and I'm not necessarily getting the offers, but then, there's only so many, depending where you live, there's only so many national one clubs you can go to. 
Because, again, a lot of National 1 clubs, they've got the ex-championship guy who's 30 now. They've given him a job in the city. He's their number one. Let's say we talk about fly half. So then you're kind of in a similar position where the standards, you can play National 1, but it's not as not, it's not as much money. And then also you're competing with older, more experienced guys as well who have dropped down to get guaranteed first team position. So it's kind of a knock-on effect where there's lots of quality guys like yourself who are aspirational, who are now, their choices are now limited. So there's that's why they're going to Spain. And, and you're the perfect example of that. And I've seen that from other people I know and who we know, where you go to Spain or you go to Italy or, you know, um, you know, a lot of players now are going to like Hong Kong. And your stock sort of rises, and I, uh, you know, because you you end up playing. It's not like oh, you're going, you're playing the stand, you're playing for a really bad standard in Spain and Italy, and no one really cares about it. You're playing at a decent standard, might not be as competitive as National One, National Two on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, but now you're you're in the centre of the team, and now you you there's that pressure to perform every single week because you're like the foreign player. And there isn't the depth in the squad in like National One, like you know, where if you're injured, they'll just bring someone else as good as you in. So there's that kind of pressure to perform. And like what happened to you is you play like a few seasons in, in another country and your stock, I don't know why, maybe you can tell me why, your stock just rises. Like people now go, oh, this guy's played, this guy was in England, but now he's played in Spain. Wow, he looks like a really good player. But you're still the same player that you were, yeah. you know, two years ago playing National 1 or National 2. Yeah, yeah. And, in, and even, well, I guess it's part of it is the, well, it's a strange one because you're right. You, I was playing National 1 week in, week out, I think at the time before with Loughborough and before with Roslyn Park and, and really performing well, but that didn't merit a championship contract at any level. And then after playing two years in Spain, which again, like like I said, it's not somewhere I'd ever heard of for rugby before that. Yeah. Um, after doing those two years and playing like some great matches in front of some big crowds and stuff and able to put some like some kind of like highlight package or whatever together, suddenly, suddenly you're, you're of interest to, to like a band of championship clubs I don't know maybe it's because like you say you're you're then the center point of the team yeah. I, I scored a huge like a big number of points when I was playing uh in in Spain I was the top scorer in the league both both uh, seasons I'm not saying uh, I'm not saying I I would have uh that that made a big difference because clubs are still looking and saying yeah but it's the Spanish league and this and that but at the end of the day I, I managed to get a few um good offers on the table from championship clubs and, and in the end I moved to to Jersey uh, from Spain and yeah it was kind of you you kind of think well why couldn't I have done that straight out of university when I was playing probably the, the some of the best rugby I I'd ever played up to that point what what was stopping clubs from putting the, a good offer on the table then and why suddenly like you say, has your stock risen so much for them to be able to give you the opportunity after two years abroad? Maybe it's maybe it changes their idea of you as a person. Maybe for them, they look at university guys coming out and and graduating, and they're, they're sort of um, see them as immature. I don't know because I because I know there's there's quite a few boys still who who do manage to to get um, championship contracts and good ones straight out of university, but. 
how good those contracts really are for those first first couple of years, um, you, you just don't know. Exactly. So that's why that's why I think it's 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 really awesome that there's there's guys like you and there's other guys I won't mention names who we know of who've who in England they would just be playing maybe I'll try and get them on the podcast. Yeah. They'll be playing maybe not the high semi professional standard or not even semi professional, but then they go to Spain and some guys I know and they're there for like a couple of seasons and now they're like starting the team and there's expectation on the head and you know as you say they you do become from you do you do go from a boy to a man um even though I unfortunately wasn't able to stay there for a year and I was there for a very short time but I could see it from the guys I the guys I played with and the guys I know and how difficult it is you've got to speak a different language to communicate and then there's you know you're like you say you're playing like in front of you in the cup there was what 25,000 people yeah I think that was a it was a big one-off one-off kind of experience and match that one but yeah I mean in the big matches you, you might see three or four thousand people yeah. come down to watch a game which is which as far as I'm aware is bigger than any national one team and definitely bigger than a lot of championship clubs as well which is cut which was crazy to me going there and not expecting much but also exactly and uh but also you kind of can you know you can kind of carve a career out of it even though you went back into the championship and then you from that you um you went to play in france but there's lots of players who you know who go they like it in spain it's a good standard they're getting paid for it plus whatever work they might be get they might be doing it full time or they might have, they might be learning a new skill or getting a job in spain but they've kind of created a new life for themselves and i think that's that's really cool and there's lots of players who are doing that um which i think there's so much benefits to that um and yeah. from my experience even though i was there a short time like i just the cultural experience of um you know just well where i was in spain it was the summer and every 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 weekend there's a festival a food festival and you know there's there's all these cultural experiences you wouldn't get if you're just playing you know national free national free london dude i've got to ask you something there was um one one time recently i was watching the jesters when they were playing a tournament in denver and you were playing for i think a different team at the time and there was a commentator i think his name's Dallin Stanford, and he think or do you know who he is? I think no, I think this is what he he said in his commentary. I think he said uh, when you had the ball, I think you made you made a tackle, a big tackle or something, and he said, "Wow, what a tackle from the salsa dancer!" Now tell me something. I I know obviously I know you, so I know you do like dabble with a bit of uh, dancing. Did that come from playing that time in Spain? I know it was a short period of time, but did you get did you get a little dancing buzz as well? Yeah, but that, I think I think you're totally right. That definitely um, it definitely planted the seed um, to learn a dancing skill because in Spain, as you know, um, and your wife can tell you this, um, every it seems like everyone knows how to dance. You know, you go to a club and they're playing Spanish music, they're playing reggaeton, everyone's dancing. Um, so I knew that very very quickly when you know you go to a bar or we go to a club or after a rugby game um in spain they um everyone's dancing so i definitely when i came back to england i definitely that wasn't the main reason but i definitely was like whoa like i probably should learn how to dance 
um, if I ever want to go back to Spain again. Um, but yeah, totally. <laughs> That's cool. And, um, That's cool. I guess it's just like a different, like something that maybe if you wouldn't have gone gone abroad you you maybe wouldn't have got the buzz for um i've got to ask you quickly about um being an international rugby player um with the czech republic you make you make it sound like like i've just come back from world cup for england you know um yeah <laughs> eddie jones you know he's really he's a great coach like you make it sound like a lot more important than it is but um <laughs> mate it's important you're at the end of the day you're representing a, a country that's a cool thing to do. I've, it's not something I've done. Obviously, I, I did England students, but not that's that's not yeah. the kind of level you you aspire to. And to represent a country is awesome. So I can I can only say like congrats for that. Had, how many caps have you, have you got in the end up till now? Not, I, I think about I think about five or six. Like I only played. It was a really cool experience, and again, um, and I've said this quite a lot. Like for someone like 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 myself, who's just a you know, very average rugby player compared to most people, you know, not, not playing the high standard. Um, to get opportunities like this, um, you've got to, you know, you've got to take. And so it's really just another great experience traveling and playing in a team. Again, different culture, um, different coaches. Um, and it was, I only play, I played for them 2013, 2014. And, and then I, I stopped for like, several years and I just started playing for them again um, this year um, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a super cool experience because again you know going from playing rugby for your local club and you're getting like 100 200 people watching you then going to like Poland playing Poland I didn't even know they had rugby in Poland and all like <laughs> you know three or four thousand people in a, in a football stadium um, it was a really cool experience yeah, so. and um yeah, it's a, it's a shame I didn't play more for them. I think um, in where it's sorry? a shame I didn't play more for them. But um, um, it, it, it was a great it was a great experience because again you're, you're playing in a team where not everyone speaks English. The standard of players is, it varies, and you're kind of thrown in the middle. And you know it's not like you're training for a year with them, and you're just thrown in the middle of it. It was a really cool experience and. Um, Nice. I, I, before COVID, before this pandemic, I just went to um, Lyon and we played a um, a French team there, and that was a cool experience. After like not playing for them for for several years, going back and playing for them was was, was a nice experience. Yeah. yeah. So, mate, it's been a great chat. I'll be honest. It's our it's our first podcast, and excited to be here and sharing some cool stories, hopefully with people. Um, about rugby abroad and the opportunities that there are. Um, I just want to go back to that point you just made about the pandemic current situation. And um, obviously you've got, or you are the founder of an Invitational Sevens team. Does it look like all the tournaments this summer are cancelled? Yeah. They are. No, um, well, at the moment, um, at the moment, there a lot of, a lot of tournaments have rescheduled for August. Um, I don't know if that will happen. Yeah. Like fingers crossed, it happens. Um, but a lot of, a lot of tournaments have been scheduled for August, and I, I guess it depends on when rugby fifteen season starts. Because maybe who knows if rugby season doesn't start till January, then might be winter sevens, which would be a bit crazy. Um, 
It's sick though. Try try getting permission from all yeah. the all the clubs to release their players though for that. Yeah, one. exactly. Well, hopefully, well, none of them they're probably not going to sign contracts, so they might not be able to yeah. sign contracts. So it might be a positive thing. Um, Dude, I've I've got to make a comment. You, you're you're obviously not a qualified rugby agent, but the job you do with the sevens, you've had a lot of young guys who 17, 18 year old who use kind of spot their their talent, search them out, and then you've got some of these guys who have gone on, played for the Jesses and are already representing like international sevens teams on the world circuit and stuff. So that's a pretty cool thing to be able to say that you've you're, you've kind of created this thing that started with Mel's Exiles and became the the Ramblin' Jesters. You've kind of created this pathway for players um, that maybe aren't going to take the traditional route, haven't been in a, um, a Premiership Academy or something like that. There might, there might be players that yeah represent the Jesters that are with a Premiership Academy, but there's other guys that are just playing school level rugby you've spotted and have, have gone on to to represent their their countries already on an international stage like a couple of years later is that 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 must give you like a, a buzz to continue um doing doing what you're doing in terms of in terms of the management side of the jesters uh okay let, let, let's let's unpack that <laughs> I'll, I'll learn how to do these like questions yeah, better yeah, with time saying. It's my first yeah. podcast, bloody um, hell. Like, first of all, like it's not it's not me. Like it's not um, we've been in justice for a long uh, justice for a long time. It's not just me. Also, I've got to give mention to um, the coach who's been the coach from the beginning, David Bob Smith. So he's 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 a really chilled guy, awesome coach. So he helps spot um, some players as well. And then also the we've got um, David Barry, who's who's the uh, new owner of the Jesters, and again, he's a super passionate guy about rugby. Um, lots of links in rugby. You know, he helps a lot with players, and um, you know, fi- financially, he's helping the Jesters. He's taking the Jesters to the next level. So it's a combination of all of us. Um, but yeah, like it's really, it's really awesome. I, I think, I think a lot of the time, it's not like I'm, I'm going to scout premiership games and I found a player and I'm writing it down. A lot of the times it's, a lot of it's luck. A lot of it's like asking players, you, you throw enough mud against the wall, some players will, will want to play for you. And obviously the better the gestures become, that becomes a little bit easier. But yeah, definitely like sometimes it's uh, luck. Sometimes it's players like yourself play for the gestures. You're not going to re- recommend bad players because then... I'm never going to ask you again. Or, you know, you look silly. So a lot of guys who play for the Jesters, they, they tell me about awesome players as well. So I think it's a combination of everything. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's awesome that guys now, um, we've had some guys, you know, have gone on, like you said, like to play for international teams. You know, um, Joe Cognacia played like a tournament for us. Um, we've had lots of guys play for Island Sevens. We've had, Guys who now, who who are ready internationals, uh, uh, play for us. Um, so it's really awesome. And I think uh, the second part of the question is, I think sevens is for me anyway. Sevens is another pathway for players not only to just enjoy their rugby, to improve it. Like playing for the Jesters does give you opportunities. And there's other guys like similar to yourself, maybe similar to me, who are not who got a job not playing the highest level 
but they're really good at sevens, you know. Um, and it gives them opportunities as well. There's guys who play for the Jeffers who've gone on to um, gone to other countries to play rugby, you know. And it's awesome that they've got the Jesters on their CV, and if that means something positive, that's awesome. Um, and to, to what's the what's the last bit of your question? What's next for the the last bit was, what is the next step for you? Are you going to be going back abroad anytime soon or are you quite happy at home now? Obviously, forgetting about the current situation of the world situation, I mean, where we can't travel at all. I think, I think you know, Sam, perfectly well that my rugby career finished a long time ago. Um, <laughs> um, if you call it a career. Um, no, like, I think I... Think I I would I would love to be in a I, I would love to be in a position to go back to for example Spain again. I don't think that's going to happen just because of commitments with work and um, I think that time's passed. But I really recommend for, for I really want to recommend um, players to go away because if you're even if you're if you're aspirational like your, someone like yourself, you just come out of university and you know you still want to play rugby, you know you never know you go to another country and it's just a it gives you another lease of life and you know worst case you you know worst case and there's guys you know you end up <laughs> you end up getting a girlfriend and marrying a spanish girl you know so it's not the it's not the worst thing in the world done well yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's not the worst thing in the world um but it's I, I definitely i definitely would recommend it to anyone and i um I definitely wish I had the opportunity to stay there to go to go back to Spain or not get injured. Um, for for myself, no, like I I just hope that for me it's just more. Um, I'm not really playing a lot of rugby 15s. I'm not I'm not really doesn't really interest me anymore. Like I love sevens. Um, for me, like the Jesters have become so good. Like I'm you know I play some tournaments for the Jesters, some tournaments for other teams. Um, for me, it's just more about health and well-being, keeping fit and you know, hopefully going on all the tournaments with the Jesters and, you know, uh, you know, uh, winning more stuff with the, with the Jesters. And if I can, if I can be involved in that in whatever way, I'm pretty happy. Awesome, man. I think we'll wrap it up because that was an awesome first, uh, first episode. Thanks for your time, dude. And, um, we'll catch up soon. Yeah, definitely. Take it easy. Take it easy. Thanks, man. You can subscribe to the podcast at rugbyabroad.com. Thanks for listening in and I hope you join me for the journey.